You are listening to the Alive Youth Podcast. Alive Youth is the youth ministry of the church at Osage Hills in Osage Beach, Missouri. We invite you to connect with us on our website, aliveyouth.church, on Instagram, at HeyAliveYouth, and on Facebook, Alive Youth. In today's podcast, you'll be challenged to grow in your faith, and we hope you're encouraged, too. Now let's hear from our youth pastor, Jeron Humiston. All right, we're embarking on a new series looking at identity. That's the topic for the next few weeks. But tonight, this is our lesson for tonight. What makes you, you? So when you came in and you got your temperature checked, you were all asked to fill out a name tag that defined who you were without using your name. So mine says coffee addict or slash snob and almost daddy because I'm almost about to be a father. So here's what I have to do. If somebody wants to share theirs, just throw your hand up real quick. I'm going to take two or three. Robert. Uh, mine says I'm not white and I'm Jerome's favorite. One of those is fact. One of those is opinion. I'll let you figure out which one's fact and which one's opinion. Chris. Listen. Sh- okay. Gavin. What was the first one? Missed the root part. I was like, son, what are we- what are we doing? Well, beer lover, the, the beer of roots lover. I love root beer. It's the greatest thing ever. Great. I'm glad we clarified that. Otherwise, this would have been really bad. All right. Anybody else? One more? This man. Crazy. I, I saw you as soon as I pointed crazy. All right. So here's the deal. Um, the reason that we asked you to do that was all of you have opinions about yourself. And your opinions have been manipulated, influenced by... Uh, the culture around you, um, the friendship groups that you run in, um, everything and anything plays a part in why you came to write down what you wrote down. Um, our culture is lost right now in this idea of trying to figure out, who am I? It's the question that we're all trying to figure out. Um, every uh, few years that we do this topic, I get really excited, um, and not for all the good reasons. Um, I'm 30 years old, and it's something that I still struggle with. Um, I would love to say that as a 30-year-old man, as a married man, as an almost father, that I have my life all together, that I know who I am, I know my purpose in life, I know what I'm doing, but there are still days that I get up and I look in the mirror and I hate everything about what I see because I've allowed the world to influence and tell me and slap labels on how Jerron views himself. Also, if you don't like people who talk in third person, buckle up, this is gonna be a rough night for you because Jerron's gonna talk about Jerron in third person and it's gonna get real confusing. So, but here's the deal. It is a world and a culture in which you guys are dealing with daily. You get up and you go to bed, every moment of your life is trying to figure out who you are because the world has something to say about who you are. It wants to influence who you are. It wants to tell you who you are. I'll turn it, don't worry. But here's the question. Are you defined by what others say about you? Okay. Here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. The world around you is telling you who you are. 
and it's influencing how you think about yourself to the point that you're not even aware that it's doing it because it's so subliminal. It's just so easygoing. There are so many things uh, screaming for your attention that you have no idea what is going on, what makes you, you. See, here's the question. It's not, a, it's not just about who you are. It's about whose you are. Okay, here's the deal. Remember last week we talked about slacktivism and I said everything that we do this year is going to be centered around what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So asking the question who you are is important in a general sense because everybody should know who they are, but we're not going to look at it in a general sense. We're going to look at what it means in the definition of being a follower of Jesus. Being a Christian, follower of Jesus, however you want to define it, doesn't mean that you have no identity. It's not saying that your identity doesn't matter. It's not saying who you are doesn't matter. What it is saying is that it's the second most important thing. It's not the first. Because the first most important thing is whose you are. Because you live in a world where you are trying to find a foothold right now. This side of the room, high schoolers. How many juniors and seniors? Okay. Um, how many of you, let's just be real confident about that. Uh, how many of you feel very confident about your future? Like you feel pretty set, you know what you want to do in your life. Okay. Even those that are raising their hand, notice no one's like, yeah, right here, very confident. It's like, nah, uh, maybe. Sixth graders. How many of you feel confident that you know what your life's going to look like when you get to be a senior? Don't even, don't even, don't even. Because here's the deal, listen, you all have an identity. You all matter, but before we can figure that out, we have to understand and establish that you are somebodies. Listen, you are somebodies. You're not a guy's. You're not property of a guy or property of a girl. You're not property of a friend. You're not property of your parents. You are property of the Most High God. Now, that's a very uncomfortable way to say it, but you belong to something so much bigger and so much greater than you realize. You are a son or daughter of the creator of the universe. And before you can even start thinking about who you are, about what your identity in Christ is, you have to understand that there is a God and that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. That's that. It's not about who you are, it's about whose you are. It's, it's the funnel in which we look at everything through life. If you put on, can I see your sunglasses real quick? I'll be very careful. Okay, it's the lens in which we view the world. So if I walk outside in the middle of the day and I don't have sunglasses, it's really bright and the sun hurts my eyes, right? This is gonna look real weird. But when I put on sunglasses, do I look good? Because this is very uncomfortable. Um, when I put on sunglasses, this thing right here, that is tinted, the lens in which I'm looking at the world through looks much different now because my sight isn't being completely whitewashed by the bright sun. I can look around and I can see things crisp and clearly. It's not to say, no, because nobody will learn anything. Thank you very much. It's not that you don't matter. It's not that you don't have an identity. It's the identity that you have through the lens and the scope of whose you are. And God has something to say about that. How you identify yourself determines how you approach your life. 
Okay, so if you want to be someone, if you want to be something, if you want to be successful, this right here, if you identify yourself as a success, as someone who succeeds, you're going to find yourself around people who also succeed. If you view yourself as a loser, the way in which you live your life is determined by the approach in which you take. And the world is saying things to you all day, every day, nonstop about who they think you are. How you think about, look at yourself, determines how you live your life. You can be the, the slacktivist kind of Christian who thinks church is all about, or being a Christian is all about following rules and do's and don'ts and going to church and hoping that you're just good enough to slide your way into heaven. Or you can be the kind of activist, the, the Christian, the, the Jesus follower who is letting their life be influenced not by the world, but by, through, but by through who God calls them and says that they are. Listen, here's the deal. Um, there are three active things. Remember, we're talking about uh, being a Jesus follower as this very proactive thing that you do. It's not just coming and listening to me on Wednesday night. It's not just getting up early and going to church. It's this active, everyday, nonstop lifestyle that you choose to live. There are three things that you can do actively that help you understand your identity. Three simple things. Seek, dwell, tell. Those are the three things that you have to do that help you walk through and navigate this very dense, hard subject of who am I? The first one, we have to seek to know God. We have to seek to know God. God is a loving, gracious God, and he's not just going to barge his way into your life. Hey, Mason, I'm glad that you're at church. Here we go. Boom. Let me show you all you're doing wrong. Boom. I'm God. Just let me in your world. That's not how God operates. God wants to be a part of and active in your life, but it takes an active part on your part to let him in. You have to choose every day to seek to know him, to not sit back and wait for your tribe leader or for me or your friends to answer the questions that you have about God. It's your job to try to study and understand the best that you can. And then when you feel like you can't go anymore, then to go to your tribe leader and say, this has bothered me for weeks and I can't figure it out. But so many times, Christians view this as a seeking out a quick answer like we're studying for a test. Hey, teach, give me the answer for the test so I can ace the test and move on with my life. Not, hey, teach, can you actually teach me this so I understand it and I retain the information so that when I'm like 20 years out of high school, I still remember it? find out in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's a very quick thing to read through that, and it's a very easy thing to miss something so crucial and important. What God's saying here is, listen, you will seek me and you will find me. So if you go looking for me, you're going to find me. But there's a stipulation, there's a clause on that. But you're only going to find me when you seek me with all of your heart, not part of it, not 75%, not even 99%, I want all of you is what God is saying. I want no room for anyone or anything else. The Bible's very clear that, that Jesus is very jealous, that God Almighty is very jealous. He wants your sole attention. He wants to be the sole focus of your life. 
It's not that we just go frolicking through the, you know, the wilderness hoping to find God. It's that we proactively every single day seek with all of our heart, with all of our best intentions to know and understand God. Second thing that we do is we dwell. We dwell in community. See, God did this amazing thing when he created Adam and Eve that has never gone away since Adam and Eve. Because God created Adam, and God looked on his creation and saw that it was good, but he realized that Adam was lonely. And so he created a helper for him, and her name was Eve. And from that moment in in history and in time, all of humankind has been designed to be in relationship and fellowship with other people. That's why COVID has wrecked so many of our lives. Because when the world comes crashing down and when we're locked up at home alone, when we don't have people in our life that are speaking truth, that are calling us out of darkness, that are helping us understand the complexities of the world, when we don't have that, then our world comes crashing down because all we're left with is our own mind and our own thoughts. And that's the most dangerous place to be. Because when I'm left alone with my own mind and my own thoughts, you know what I write on my name tag? Not good enough. We'll never be a good pastor. We'll never amount to anything. Terrible husband, terrible father. And that's not an over-exaggeration. Like those are legitimate thoughts that I've, I've explained to my wife in long, hard conversations that I don't feel adequate enough or good enough to be that because I've allowed the world to seep its message into my mind and then when I'm stuck alone by myself and I don't have anybody uplifting me, helping me, pushing me towards being a follower of Jesus and not buying into the lies, then that's where I'm left. It's why your tribe groups are so important. It's why we give you so much time in your tribe groups. One of the shortest things we do on a Wednesday night is my teaching portion. I set a timer for 15 minutes. By the time you're out of here, it's like 20, 25, I know. But you have like 45 minutes in your tribe groups. Why? Because we want you to intimately get to know the people in your group. Why? Because those people are just like you. Those people are walking through the same things you're walking through. And those people need Jesus as much as you need Jesus. And when the world is done tearing you apart, when the world has chewed you up and spit you out for seven days, that this is the place that you look forward to coming to because we can be crazy and immature and stupid and dance like idiots and we can sing songs to Jesus, but that we can get together in community and in tribes and be lifted up and be encouraged and to be pushed past our boundaries, past our comfort to be the kind of people from last week that bring heaven to earth. We are the kind of active participant in following Jesus that creates a bridge between heaven and earth. And we don't passively sit back and wait to die and hopefully maybe go to heaven, but we live the kind of life that Jesus lived on the earth. That we are the kind of people that lives a life that allows God to move through us to our friends and to our family. You dwell in community because that's how God created it to be. You dwell in community that's healthy for you. Let's be very clear, okay? I don't want to make anyone feel stupid, but I feel like it needs to be said. Your friend group, some of you have awesome friends, 
uh, awesome friend groups, awesome friends. Some of you have uh, very questionable friends and very questionable friend groups. Okay, can we just define real quick what a friend is? Here's what a friend is. A friend is someone who loves you no matter what. Okay? A friend is someone, listen guys, a friend is someone who loves you no matter what, who encourages you, who supports you, and pushes you to be a better person. A friend is not someone who pushes you to do things you don't want to do. A friend is not someone who says, I only like you if you do these things. A friend is not someone who says, hey, you can be a part of my group or you can be my friend if you do these things. That's not a friend, guys. That's not the healthy community that God wants us to be a part of because when we buy into that kind of community, then we buy into a slacktivist view of Christianity and we begin to allow our peers, what you call friends, what I would call not even acquaintances, just bad influences, to speak not life into you, but death into you. And here's the most important, the last one. Oh, sorry, before I get to that. Uh, Proverbs 13, 20 says, become wise by walking with the wise. Essentially, hang out with fools and watch your life fall apart. You want more stress in life? You want um, more heartache? You want more pain in your life? Hang out with unwise people. You wanna know who's wise? Your tribe group leaders are wise. They're older than you. They've walked where you've walked. They're not perfect. I'm not on this stage because my life is perfect. If that's the case, it's time for me to pack up, quit my job, and go flip burgers at McDonald's. Okay? You name a sin, I've done it. I'm not proud of it. Some of them still haunt me to this day. I don't like the choices that I've made. Some of those choices have defined who I am. I don't like the parties that I went to. I don't like the places that I found myself. I don't like the conversations with the girls that I was involved in. I don't like a lot of my past. But I know that the Lord is using that every time I sit down and talk with a student who's made a bad decision in a relationship, who's gone to a party and done something that they shouldn't have, because I don't get to sympathize with them, I get to empathize with them because I've been where they are. God has created us for healthy community. He's given us wise people to learn from and to hang out with. John 1, 45 and 46, we see this story. It says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus, son of Nazareth. Whoops, hold on. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth there? Nathaniel asked, here's what's happening. There are these two guys that are waiting for the coming Savior. And the coming Savior comes. But he doesn't look, act, smell, taste like what they expect him to be. This idea of identity, this idea of misplaced. It happened when Jesus walked the earth. Do you see it? Is there anything that can, good that can come from Nazareth? Is there a good story that's come out of Nazareth? Like, could anything good possibly come out of that city and that town? If it happened then, it's happening now. Which plays into our last thing, three, tell your story. Seek, dwell, tell. Your job as a follower of Christ is to tell your story to share your story, to not let the world define who you are, to not let the world put labels on you, to not let the world put labels on Christianity. 
that you, that you would proactively tell your story. John, I don't even know what you're talking about. If you call yourself a Christian, you have a duty and an obligation to share Jesus with other people. It's like having the cure for cancer and hiding it in the basement of your house. You'd be a fool for doing that. But I don't know how to tell my story. Good. You're going to figure that out tonight in your tribe groups. Here's how you do that. You ready? What was my life like before Christ? How did I become a follower of Jesus? And how has my life changed since I started following Jesus? Here's my 60-second story of becoming a Christian. I grew up in church. Um, I don't think my parents are still here. Dad, if you are, I love you. Um, my parents drug my sorry butt to church every single Sunday, even when we were on vacation. If we were on vacation, Sunday morning, 6 a.m., we got woken up and taken to church. I hated it. Hated it. I grew up in church. I knew who Jesus was. I've heard every Bible story a bazillion times, but I thought that I could get into heaven because I went to church, I didn't murder anybody, and I was just kind of an all-around good person. I got saved when I lived in Florida on a normal Sunday morning, nothing special about it, but I realized as my pastor was wrapping up his sermon that as he was beginning to explain what being a Christian meant, that I was so far from really understanding what that meant that my almost good life was really, really bad. And I don't know how to, this is what's hard about God and Christianity is I don't know how to fully explain this to you, but I'm going to do my best. Um, I began, I didn't hear God's audible voice like you're hearing mine, but something just began to happen and stir inside of me that I knew, and it made sense that you don't get into heaven because you're a good person. You don't get into heaven because you went to church enough. You don't get into heaven because you didn't kill too many people. You get into heaven because God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and my sins, for, for our, for, for our, to pay our penalty so that when we die, instead of ending up in hell, which is what we deserve, if we've accepted that free gift of Jesus and we've accepted him into our lives and we've become a proactive person trying to bring heaven to earth, then when I die, I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm going to enjoy heaven for all of eternity. That's my story. Nothing flashy, nothing great, nothing like I was drunk on drugs in the back of a car and I saw Jesus. Like, in my opinion, it's a boring story. You want to know how to share your story? There's your three things. What was my life like before Jesus? How has my life changed since Jesus? Oops, sorry. How, how did I become a follower of Jesus, and how has my life changed since accepting Christ? Some of you, those questions don't apply to your life because you're stuck here because you're not a follower of Christ. That's okay. There's room for you here. We're glad that you're here. We're not trying to indoctrinate you or cram Jesus down your throat. It's not what we're all about. We're all about teaching you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and letting you make that decision on your own. But know that each week, that's the place we're pointing you to. Unashamedly, unapologetically, that's what, that's what we're pointing you to. That's what your tribe leaders are pointing you to. Not to be a good person, but to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. 
the type of person that God can use to bring heaven to earth. The kind of person who knows whose they are, which then defines who they are. It's the most important thing. It's what makes you, you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Alive Youth Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If there's someone in your life who needs today's message, be sure to share it with them. If you're in 6th through 12th grade and you live in or around Osage Beach, Missouri, we invite you to join us Wednesday nights, 6 to 8 p.m. at the church at Osage Hills. Don't forget to connect with us on our website, aliveyouth.church, on Instagram at HeyAliveYouth, and on Facebook, Alive Youth.